This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon. It's a cold, rainy day here in Florida. No, I'm not whining and complaining, but, you know, it's spring break time and we feel bad that all these people that have spent millions of dollars to come here to Florida, (laughs) they're not getting perfect weather. But we're grateful that they're leaving their tax dollars here in Florida, and we are so thankful that you're tuned in to I Work For Him as you listen to us all over Tampa Bay, all over Jacksonville and the First Coast of St. Augustine and Folkestone, Georgia, and, of course, all over Hampton Roads, Virginia. And Martha, why don't we encourage people to uh, check out our, uh, our our work room listener line? What do you think? Well, that's what I was thinking, Jim. You know, we um, later on in the show, we're going to be talking with a guest who has written a book that we'll be highlighting, and um, people will have the opportunity to call in and potentially get a copy of that book sent to them. So our listener line is 866-713-9675. That's 866-713-WORK. And, you know, I just want to encourage our listeners that listen on a regular basis, Jim, for them to plug that into their feel phone. Feel encouraged, listeners. Feel encouraged. Do you, feel, do you encouraged? feel encouraged now? Because Martha's encouraging No, you. I wanted to encourage you. Oh, yeah, I am encouraging them. Okay, <laughs> sorry. I was a little confused there. But anyway, take some time and plug it into your phone so that you're not fumbling for it when we do give the opportunity for you to call in and um, get yourself a copy of something or connect with us in whatever way. Or, you, you know, maybe you even just go, oh, my goodness, I just heard something revolutionary that I want to share with you. Our listener line is a great way to do that. So 866-713-WORK. And you can leave a message. I have prompts there for you. And love, love, love hearing from our listeners. And also, we're running a contest this month, the entire month of March. Yes. For you brand new podcast subscribers, you sign up for the podcast, go to iworkforhim.com, click on the podcast, the listen tab, and then click on the podcast. You sign up for the podcast, and you will get entered into win 250 customized pocket testaments sent to you directly from the Pocket Testament League, but there's a couple of things you have to do. So number one, when you go to the podcast link, it's got all the links for the platforms that we're on. So I just want to be clear. You're going to go to iTunes and subscribe. You're going to go to Google Play Music and subscribe. You're not going to do all of them, especially if you don't have an iPhone and an Android, but I think people get it. So go to your favorite platform and subscribe to the I Work For Him podcast. Then go to Facebook and hashtag say, hey, I just subscribed to the I Work For Him podcast and then hashtag Pocket Testament League and I Work For Him subscriber. So do those two hashtags and you will be entered for the end of the month, we will pick a winner. And those customized Gospels are so cool. You've seen Martha and I get some pictures with some of the ones we've been handing out. Uh, mm-hmm. it, what a great opportunity to be able to put that Word of God in people's hands in a nice pocket-sized fashion. Wisdom, along with an inheritance, is a good thing. Inheritance, without the wisdom, that's a stinking disaster. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But money has a hook. And that hook can really cause all of us trouble. Ecclesiastes 7 tells us that leaving wealth for the next generation is good indeed, but passing on wisdom is even better. It's a subject most estate planners never talk about, how to transfer wisdom to your heirs, not just the money. Today we get a chance to talk with Jeff Rogers, author of a brand new book, Create a Thriving Legacy, how to share your wisdom and wealth with your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and so on and so on. 
Jeff Rogers is also the founder of and the chairman of Stewardship Legacy Coaching with over 35 years of experience helping families build lasting legacies for God's kingdom. Jeff Rogers, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Jim and Martha. It's great to be with you today. Hey, we're excited to talk about your book. We love we love the fact because a lot of us are working really hard to, you know, a, 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 as it says in Timothy, to take care and leave, you know, leave an inheritance for our children. But so many of us have either gotten inheritances or plan on giving inheritance, but we wouldn't, we haven't been planning on passing on that wisdom in order to keep that inheritance from screwing up their lives. So we want to talk about that today. But Jeff Rogers, for every first time guest on I Work For Him, we always have this question. Jeff, we just want you to share with us, how did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, Martha, I, like some people, many people, did not grow up in a Christian home, um, but I had great parents who loved us. and You know, it was a moral family and so forth, but, um, but, it, but it wasn't a Christian family per se. I had a godly grandmother, however, my Graham Rogers, mm-hmm. who was a sold-out follower of Christ. She just lived the gospel. Uh, she was probably the, the most joyful and generous person that I ever knew. And so she modeled uh, biblical Christianity, joyful Christianity uh, for us. Every Christmas uh, or birthday card that we got had a Bible verse in it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, Graham Rogers gave us, uh, my brother and I, our first Bibles when we were probably 10 or 11 years old. And inside the front cover, she said, read Psalm 46.1 which I looked up, and, and it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And um, uh, I found in the years ahead and really throughout my life uh, the, the wisdom of uh, that, that verse in God's Word and really all of God's Word. And, and uh, over the period of a few years, um, uh, through God's you know, ordained circumstances, um, I, com- I came to know Christ uh, really my uh, my best friend at the time, his mother started a youth group uh, at our church. She was a widow, and uh, he had to go to the youth group because it was his mother running it. <laughs> and I went because he was my best friend, and they did cool things like uh, bowling and roller skating and stuff. Uh, but there, for the first time, I actually heard you know the reality of heaven and hell, and uh, in my sinfulness, I recognized uh, immediately where I was headed. And um, God radically saved my life and, and just uh, did a transformational work. And my friend got right with Christ that night. He was already a believer, but had backslidden. And, uh, and then that's, uh, that's how I came to know Christ. And, it's uh, very cool. Very cool. journey ever since. All right, so we're talking today about creating a thriving family legacy. And your book, by the same name, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, by, of course, Jeff Rogers, with the forward by Ron Blue, which is no small accomplishment. All right, talk to us about Graham Rogers. What kind of impact did she have on your life? We, we often, often people share about their praying grandmother, and she had a big impact on your life. I mean, yes, she laid that legacy out for you, but it was deeper than that, didn't you? I mean, she really laid it up for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she definitely uh, prayed for us, and, um, and and I would say prayed us into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. But also, she lived it out. And one of the things we talk about in the book, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, is that a legacy is really something that we live, not just something we leave when we die. If we're not living it out while we're alive, then chances are we're not going to leave behind a, a very good legacy. But Grand Rogers did. Um, I remember 
Uh, she was very successful in real estate and Avon, and I remember uh, some uh, Saturday afternoons where she would take my brother and I out uh, as she delivered Avon, and, and um, uh, even though she uh, made a lot of money, she really never had much to show for it because she was always giving it away to, to help meet the needs of others. So she would bring groceries to people, and that was just, you know, we, we just took it for granted. That's how Graham Rogers was. And so, so she was super generous, but she always did it uh, with uh, with joy and a smile on her face, and um, uh, and it really blessed others. People loved her, and and so did we. And um, so, uh, it was just uh, uh, something that I wanted to emulate. I wanted that joy. I wanted to live generously, and I wanted to ultimately. I came to to realize I wanted to love the Jesus that she loved. You know, you started praying Acts 16:31 for your family after you surrendered your life to the Lord. What does that say and how did and why did you pray it and what was the result? Yeah, so Acts 16:31 uh, says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That was how I learned it back in the King James back in the day, the only Bible I knew mm-hmm. and um uh, you know, I come across that verse, and I was really praying it as if it were a promise. Now, I, I realized and learned years later that it was more like a proverb. It was a general principle. It wasn't really a promise, but I, I was too dumb and ignorant at the time <laughs> to know that. So I just claimed that verse for my family, and I, I prayed, God, I, I believe on, on you, and, and I pray that you'll save my house. And so uh, one by one, I saw the Lord reach the other members of my family. My brother, Brian, got saved at my baptism about a year after him. My father got saved at an evangelistic service at our church wow. about a year and a half after my dad. My mom got saved. And so uh, even though Acts 16.31 is not a, a direct promise we can claim, uh, I think God, uh, it, the Word says, winks at the times of our <laughs> ignorance. And He did that with me. And he honored, honored that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you honored that prayer of, uh, of faith. We talk often about the integration of our faith and our work, but how often do we pass on the wisdom that we gain through the years that we've lived onto our children to make sure that what the other things that we pass on and that maybe money and possessions that they don't screw up their lives. You know, one of the things we've heard many times on this show is that people pass money onto their kids without wisdom and it destroys their lives. In fact, Martha and I have seen it in her own family with some people that got inheritances and it just destroyed who they are. And so it's so important to create a thriving family legacy by sharing your wisdom and your wealth with your Mm -hmm. children and your grandchildren. You know, and I think, Jim, just one of the big connections there is, you know, we talk about, like you were saying, work all the time, but we work to have I mean, we work for money. money. Well, we work for money, and hopefully people save it. (laughs) I mean, it's not an assumed that everybody's saving money, because I'm pretty sure that's not the case, which is why we need to talk about it more. Um, But just that whole idea that, you know, that is is one of the results of work, is getting, you know, something compensated to us. And what are we doing with that? But I love the fact that this goes beyond that. It's not just the financial compensation, but also the wisdom that we have gained over the years and are we really intentionally sharing that so this is a great conversation to have so jeff rogers out of orlando wrote this great book create a thriving family legacy jeff the rest of your jesus story gets pretty cool so why don't you tell i mean after you came to christ in the youth group you got involved in youth group tell tell how the lord wrapped a little bow around that act 1631 
where all your family came to Christ. And then it, it God created a very unique family for you. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, one by one, I saw the Lord reach the rest of my immediate family members um, uh, you know, with the gospel and really kind of unite our family in Christ. And then uh, my mother went home to be with the Lord at a young age, and I had the opportunity to share at the funeral. And um, that day, uh, my uh, best friend's mother had the opportunity to lead my sister to Christ. She was older than us and out of the home while the Lord was reaching the rest of us. So that really united our family in Christ. And then uh, about a year later, my father ended up marrying that uh, that widow lady who was my best friend's mom, and she was like my spiritual mom as well. So my best friend became my stepbrother and my mm-hmm. brother in Christ, and uh, my spiritual mom became my stepmom. And uh, so, yeah, it's really neat to see how God even takes tragedy like the death of a loved one, and he brings about uh, great things through it, including, uh, in some cases, people coming to know Christ and getting eternal life just because of their grieving and their, their recognition of the brevity of, of life when somebody passes away. And wow. that, it, it is power. Funerals can be very powerful, especially when you uh, see that some people just don't have that hope. And so the death really freaks them out. Whereas a follower of Jesus, death has no, you know, we, it doesn't have a victory anymore. Death has no sting. That's right. So, uh, so Jeff Rogers, talk to us about how this all led you. You had a phenomenal example in your life, Graham Rogers, as you call her. Your grandmother poured wisdom into you. I don't know if she poured any money into you or not, but she poured wisdom into you for sure, and she shared her faith. How did all of that, all of your history, lead you to being concerned about Jesus followers creating a thriving family legacy and not screwing up their kids with a bunch of cash? Well, since the name of this show is I Work For Him, uh, one of the, the things that Graham Rogers also modeled is work. Uh, she worked hard uh, mm. all of her life, and so she modeled that. And, um, you know, as you guys were just talking about, not only did she work in order to provide and, and to, to make an income, but then she, uh, you know, worked also to give generously both to Christian ministries and church and, and, and also just to meet the needs of others. And, and um, so uh, I would say my work ethic came uh, really modeled by uh, Graham Rogers and also, you know, my, by my father mm-hmm. as well. Great work ethic there. And... Um, you know, over the years, uh, being uh, a financial advisor and an estate planner in, in uh, the first part of my career, say the first 20 years, uh, I really saw that um, there are um, uh, great risks to passing on significant wealth to children and grandchildren. And as you have pointed out several times, Jim, already today, it, it can end up ruining uh, people's lives uh, when they get too much wealth too quickly and when that wealth is passed on without wisdom. And so for the last 20 years or so, I've been on a journey to help financially blessed families and business owners to not only create effective wealth transfer, but intentional wisdom transfer. And when we say wisdom transfer, we mean it in a broader sense than just traditional wisdom. It's passing on family values, virtues, character, which would include things like work ethic, uh, as well as our faith, and literally wisdom. One of the questions I like to ask people is, what's up here in your head, and what's down here in your heart? 
that needs to be shared and inculcated in the hearts and minds wait, of wait, wait, children wait, wait, wait. and grandchildren. That's a big word. That was a big word. <laughs> inculcated? All right. Sorry, Sorry All right. dude. But, That's but okay. Pass Tell that us. Put that back in like, you know, one syllable words for us, would you please? Okay. So how do, how do you uh, share, how do you plant that in the hearts and lives of, of your uh, children and grandchildren? I like that word. It's, it's, it was very impressive sounding. I just had no idea what it meant. All right, all right. So, you know, but you said something earlier I want to just argue with you about for just a second. Oh boy. You said that, you know, <laughs> when, when people pass on great wealth to their children or grandchildren. But I would challenge you that that, that great wealth for some might be $1,000, might be $10,000. For some, it might be a million. But it's money without wisdom Almost at no matter what, it, I mean, you can get in a lot more trouble with a million dollars than you came with a thousand dollars, but you could still screw up a lot of life, even if you had a thousand dollars. Thinking, well, I got a lot of money, I got a thousand bucks, I can go buy a new car. Well, yeah, I mean, there's wisdom. Obviously, you can't, but you can get a good down payment for a thousand bucks. I mean, talk about that 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 wealth thing because you work with people that are going to pass on maybe a hundred thousand dollars to their kids, and some people are going to pass on greater than a million. But that wisdom needs to get passed on regardless of what that asset may be. Isn't that true? Yes, it is, Jim. Uh, absolutely. Uh, people of all ages and, very frankly, all wealth spectrums do need wisdom. So, so uh, absolutely. But I would submit to you that the greater the amount of wealth that you're passing on to your children and grandchildren, the greater the risks. Mm. Um, and that's why wisdom becomes so much more important. To your point, if you pass a thousand dollars on to you know your adult children in their twenties, uh, thirties, or forties, uh, they could blow that, but they're probably not going to quit their jobs mm-hmm. receiving a thousand dollars. You drop a million dollars, or maybe even five hundred thousand, into their hands, they might quit their jobs and and uh, and and do some really destructive things with that, and so. Uh, the risks do go up, and and that's why it's really critical that in the, in in all situations, but especially in those, that there's an intentional plan to pass on wisdom and and uh, virtues and values and those types of things. So you were you were sharing how Graham had taught you she by example to work hard and to provide and to give and to have good work ethics. And so, Jeff Rogers, as we continue to talk about your book, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, did you have to get to a point where you understood the connection between your faith and your work? Or did did Graham show you that example in such a way that you never really thought any differently? Yeah, I would say for me, I really never did uh, think differently about it. I know most people do have to come to a place like you asked Martha, where they where they have that transformational moment. But you know, I, we've probably all read the book Halftime, and it's a wonderful book mm-hmm. uh, written by the late Bob uh, Buford. And uh, I kind of hit halftime at the age of twenty one, <laughs> which is almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I was trying to apply these principles even as a young person. Now I absolutely made some mistakes along the way, and I've learned some lessons way better. Than, than I would have um, had I not made those mistakes. But, uh, but for me, uh, my work and my faith were integrated uh, almost from day one. You know, you got into the financial planning world, the, the financial advising world, working for a company that, 
that really had a, 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 an eye on biblically responsible investing. But this was back in the early 80s when people weren't even using those words. It, we got about a minute before the end of this break. Talk about how you got involved and what you learned about biblically responsible investing and what happened when the company went away. Yes. Um, so one of the things that I learned was uh, money has meaning, it has purpose, and it can be used for good or it could be used for evil. And so uh, the very first company that I started working with had a commitment not to invest in things like abortion, pornography, uh, gambling, uh, you know, all of these types of things, uh, supportive of the homosexual movement and so forth. And instead, they used the money in building Bible-preaching churches, Christian schools, seminaries, camps, and that type of stuff. And so I was inspired as a young adult to really do something uh, in the business world and the investing world that could actually have an impact on lives positively and on eternity. But when that company got bought out, that all went away, isn't that true? Well, um, kind of, uh, except for uh, the, the key mentors in my life. Um, I sought their counsel, and they said, Jeff, God has wired you for this. Jeff Rogers out of Orlando, Florida. He wrote that book by that name, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, but it's something that we all need to learn and to grasp. And we're going to give away a copy of Jeff's book today right on the listener line, 866-713-9675. That's right, everybody. Call in to 866-713-WORK and leave us a message so we can get a hold of you and you might be the winner of a copy of this book, Create a Thriving Family Legacy. And it's so important that we understand that we've been given our kids as our number one mission field. And after we've led them to Christ, we need to pour wisdom into them to make sure that the things of the world don't screw them up. We need to, we need to give them the battle armaments to fight off what the world says is true versus what real truth is. And leaving a family legacy has a lot to do, a lot more to, than to just leave money. But for sure, if you're going to give your kids money or possessions when you go, and you never know when you're going to go, so you need to be prepared all the time. If you're going to leave money, if you're going to leave possessions, you better leave them wisdom or it's going to destroy their lives. We have seen countless times. In fact, I noticed, Jeff, in your book that it's endorsed by some big hitters, but I love the fact that it was endorsed by Todd DeCryder from Family Meridian. And we've had Todd on the air and he shared so many stories of where people got money and it absolutely destroyed their lives. I mean, it's that's a, that's a big thing, but Family Meridian partnering with you guys like at Stewardship Legacy Coaching, that's a big partner to have, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So talk about Stewardship Legacy Coaching. What is that all about? Yes, yeah, Stewardship Legacy Coaching is both the name of one of our companies and the name of our process. And it's a process for serving financially blessed families and business owners in a holistic fashion, uh, looking at uh, five different types of legacy that they face there personal legacy, family legacy, financial legacy, business legacy for those who are business owners, and then the fifth is their kingdom legacy. So we help them to holistically look at and create a plan to create a thriving family legacy and business legacy around those uh, five different areas of legacy. So when you're talking about these legacies, and, and you're, so you said personal legacy, family legacy, financial legacy, business legacy, if they happen to have a business, and a kingdom legacy, why is it important for us to be intentional in all five of these categories? I mean, that's a lot of categories. That's a lot of stuff to think about. <laughs> it is, Jim. But um, Especially yeah, for a so, simple guy like me. 
well, that's why we kept it at five and we didn't make it 15, Jim. Cause, okay. You know, we, Good we, point. We, we knew it would be tough for you. So, yeah. <laughs> now the, uh, um, yeah, so the, the importance of being intentional is if we are not intentional, nothing good will happen, right? Uh, we'll have the, uh, the, the uh, black hole of inertia working against us and sucking us into, you know, uh, having Satan's kind of legacy that he wants us to leave, which is failure. And um, so, so intentionality is critically uh, important. We use two words uh, to describe what we do, intentional and proactive. Uh, so obviously intentional, we know what that is, but then proactive in contrast to reactive. In other words, don't wait until something bad has happened. Let's be proactive. Okay, okay. So because we don't want to, we don't want our listeners to, to nod off. We talk about all these big words. Let's talk about some stories of of people that were intentional and proactive versus people that weren't intentional and weren't proactive. Because there's, I'm sure you got some stories. Can you share a couple just examples of what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in in my book, we uh, we contrast two well-known uh, families throughout uh, America and really Europe, and um, the uh, the one is the Vanderbilt family. Cornelius Vanderbilt uh, grew a shipping empire and then railroads, and ultimately Vanderbilt University. And if anybody's ever been to the Biltmore, you know, in North Carolina or their you know mansions on Long Island, we can see. Uh, the brick-and-mortar parts of their legacy, and yet um, they were not intentional, they were not proactive to transfer wisdom. They passed on a significant amount of wealth, but that wealth uh, destroyed lives. It destroyed, ultimately, their family. And if you fast-forward, you know, uh, decades later, there's not a single millionaire left in the Vanderbilt Mm. family. So they went from the wealthiest to... You know, uh, really, just a shipwreck of of lives and and families, and a lot of a lot of tragic stories there. We can contrast that with the Rothschilds of of um, uh, Europe and uh, Baron von Rothschild, Meyer Rothschild. Um, you know, uh, built a, a legacy where uh, he was intentional and proactive about working with his uh, sons originally, and then ultimately grandchildren, and many generations later. Uh, they have uh, still one of the you know thriving. You know they've kept the wealth in the family. It, they didn't squander it. It didn't wreck you know a bunch of lives. They were intentional to make sure that there was character. They actually built a network uh, in all the banking centers of Europe, where you know he would send off one of his sons to Brussels, another one to Paris, another one to London, and so forth. And and they ultimately used the knowledge that they gained from each other uh, to avoid you know, uh, big economic collapses and to prosper, you know, when, when, uh, when things were good. Uh, but, but also not just financially, but to keep the family together. So they still hold family meetings today uh, with many generations and, you know, a family that's almost like a spider's web, really, of uh, people. So those are, you know, big names that we can mm-hmm. kind of contrast and see failure because of lack of intentionality and lack of being proactive. Okay, so but what about success. the Johnsons versus the Joneses? Okay, because <laughs> most of us don't relate to the Rothschilds versus the Vanderbilts, which I love the example because everybody knows. Yeah. Of course, when you said Rothschild, everybody's thinking, but isn't that said with a British accent? Rothschilds. <laughs> it's Rothschilds. Okay, sorry, I won't go into my accents. I'll get in trouble. Don't send me hate mail on my email. Don't do that. Okay. Let's let's just talk about Jeff Rogers. And, and, and you're married, right? Yes. And you got kids, right? 
We do not. You do not have kids. Okay. All right. So we have to talk about where you're going to pass on your generational wisdom. But talk about talk about what is it for the Rogers that's been the most difficult to work on for this legacy. So you have personal legacy, family legacy, financial legacy, business legacy, and kingdom legacy. Which one is the hardest for you guys? Yes, I would say for a lot of business owners, it's the business legacy. Because when you look at a, at a wealth uh, founder, a business founder, creator, kind of Gen 1, um, there's, uh, there's certain um, characteristics that oftentimes entrepreneurs have that non-entrepreneurs don't have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's hard to find the right uh, individual or team of individuals uh, to succeed you in business. So that's the hardest one for us personally. That said, we're trying to practice what we preach, so we're intentional and proactive about it. And uh, so we've uh, you know, been mentoring and discipling a number of other uh, advisors over the years. We've just brought in two young guys. Uh, one of them is uh, graduate, uh, graduating from Liberty University and their Ron Blue Institute for Financial Planning uh, in May. The other one just graduated from Southeastern University here in Lakeland uh, this past December. And so one of the ways that, that we're being intentional and proactive, even though it's, it's not necessarily easy, is by uh, that whole idea of mentoring and uh, discipling uh, the next generation of, in this case, business leaders. And families can do the same thing in the context of their family. It's mentoring and discipling your children and grandchildren. But the principles are the same, whether it's on the business side or the family side. Mm-hmm. And so has one of those been the toughest for all of your clients to work on, or what else are you seeing? No, it's different for every family, Martha, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is why we need to approach it holistically, kind of like I know you guys are very familiar with the C12 group, and mm-hmm. they have the, you know, the balance wheel, right, where we look at the different aspects of our lives, the different roles of our lives, and uh, we could be doing really well and, and hitting strong numbers in some of those areas. But if we're weak in other areas of our lives, in other words, if we're not optimizing or keeping that somewhat in balance, then we're going to have kind of a, of a rough wheel, a rough ride, as it were. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so it, it varies. I would say for families of significant wealth, the, um, the family legacy uh, is, is a tough one, sometimes the financial uh, but but business can be too. Uh, it, it really just mm-hmm. varies from family to family. Yeah, we often see that Christ-centered business owners um, they don't they're not prepared for passing a legacy on, and, and they often will sell off to people who aren't going to carry on that legacy. I, I've even seen some churches that run businesses that sold their businesses but didn't sell them to continue on the kingdom legacy. So, I mean, that's a, that's a level of intentionality that needs to start almost from the day the guy starts the business. Well, that yeah, I was actually just going to ask that question because, you know, a lot of us, entrepreneurial spirit, you see a need and you find a way to fill it, you know, and you're not thinking, well, who's going to do this when I'm gone, when you start it. So um, at what point is it best for them to start having that conversation? Yes. Uh, well, I would say it's the point at which they realize uh. that they're going to uh, someday uh, have to you know, hand the reins mm-hmm. off to, to somebody else. Uh, because before that, uh, they're just not thinking about it, like you said, Martha. But we should get to the place where we do. And, and uh, for your listeners, we can offer this for free. I've written an ebook 
uh, called The Stewardship of Your Business Legacy. Mm-hmm. And um, it's specifically for Christian business owners, and it addresses the issues that the two of you just raised, not only the financial and the business and the practical issues, but also the non-financial, spiritual, you know, kind of business legacy and the ministry legacy uh, aspects as well. So how would our listeners get um, a hold of that ebook? They can actually download it from our website okay. at stewardshiplegacy.com. And uh, there's a place uh, for business owners, and, and there there's a tab for download a free ebook, and uh, it's it's available there uh, for download. And I'll also be speaking on that topic. I, I think you guys are going to be there at the C12 uh, uh, Current 19, they call it, which is their annual leaders conference uh, in Atlanta in May. Excellent. And so uh, anybody who's coming there for the C12 conference, they can come and hear more about how to wisely steward their business legacy. All right, so we got 30 seconds. We go to break. How do we keep our money from screwing up our kids and our grandkids? Let's talk about that. We'll start that conversation. We'll finish up in the last segment. But that's one that no matter whether we're passing on $10,000 or a $10,000 car or a million-dollar estate or whatever, how do we keep it from destroying our children? Yes, so we'll come back to this after break. But the first thing to understand is this whole idea of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Generation one builds the wealth most often. Generation two maintains it. And by the time it gets to generation three, in over 90% of the cases, the wealth has been squandered and dissipated. We can talk about why that is and how to prevent it after the break. Hey, we're talking today with Jeff Rogers about creating a thriving family legacy. You and I, we need to be very intentional about leaving we need to be intentional and proactive about leaving a thriving family legacy with our kids and our grandkids. And if some of us will get a chance to meet our great grandkids, we need to make sure we don't screw up their lives by passing on wealth without wisdom on passing on assets without wisdom and character. And so that's what Jeff Rogers is all about. You can check out his book online, thrivingfamilylegacy.com, thrivingfamilylegacy.com. Jeff Rogers, here's a question for you. When I was out on that website, thrivingfamilylegacy.com, you have an assessment out there. Talk about that for a minute and why people should go out and check it out. Yes. So on one of our websites, which, as you said, Jim, is thrivingfamilylegacy.com, we have uh, an assessment. And uh, the, it asks a number of questions where people can see where, in what areas uh, is our family doing well, in what areas could we use some improvement. So that, that can help you to not only appreciate and celebrate the strengths of your family and what's working well, but also to know where you can focus intentional effort and time, energy, get help if you need it uh, in the areas where there's improvement needed within your family. Hmm. Thrivingfamilylegacy.com. Take the assessment. Ask some fantastic questions. So, Jeff, right before the break, we were talking about this concept of shirt sleeve to shirt sleeve, and you said in three generations, um, it's it's possible, and you've often seen it, where um, it goes from building the business to main, just maintaining it in the next generation. Building to up the wealth. Building up the wealth, it. I'm sorry, and then it being gone. Let's talk about that a little bit more and how we can prevent that or what those steps might be. Yes, uh, great question, Martha. So, yeah, this is something that's been around for uh, many uh, centuries, and it's not 
unique to America. Mm-hmm. Here in America, we call it shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Uh, but in China, they call it rice patties to rice patties in three generations. <laughs> in in Old uh-huh. England, it was clogs to clogs in three generations. And the whole idea is that Generation 1 builds the wealth. Generation 2 simply maintains it. By the time it gets to Gen 3, it's generally squandered, and they're back to you know wherever they started from. Mm. And the reason for that is not just because of the wealth. It's because Generation 1 typically in the process of building that wealth, um, as you guys said, uh, they have the entrepreneurial spirit. They see a need. They meet it. They've got a drive and a hunger. They've got a work ethic. But they've got what I would call values. They're building their values. They get to be known, you know, having a good reputation, right? Because if, if, if you uh, screw people over in business, uh, you're going to get a bad reputation and your business is not going to right. prosper, right? So, so Gen 1 often really cares about the reputation of the family name and the business, and, um, and that's the value that they hold dear, as well as other values like work ethic, servant leadership, all of these types of things. But if they're not intentional, and too often they're not, uh, they have the philosophy that you and I have heard many times that says we want to have the lives of our children be easier and better than we had it growing up. We want to make them that way. And so uh, they tend to remove uh, a lot of the work ethic and, and the, uh, the requirement to work and, unfortunately, the life lessons that go with that. And uh, they just kind of hand too much, make it too easy for their kids. And so the kids begin to lose the values and simply maintain the wealth. And, and by the time it gets to Gen 3, They've not only lost the perspective of what it means to work and earn and save and, and run a business and, and maintain your reputation, uh, they, they then are squandering the wealth. And we see that, uh, for example, I, I don't want to pick on people, so I'm not going to mention any names, but if we look at some of the celebrities uh, who are in Hollywood and you know, their grandfather built this great business empire, significant wealth, you know, their names are on buildings. And, um, and then, you know, it went to Gen 2, and they kind of spoiled their kids. And now it's in Gen 3, and they're partying around the world. They're doing just <laughs> crazy stuff, right? And, and, and We won't mention any names. That's what he said. Uh, we're not going to mention we're any names. We're not going to mention any names. But you might have seen their faces on several <laughs> different... Yeah, people can put two and two together, right? And, and it's not just one family. Right. It's unfortunately, too many. You know, it's like a plague. Tell me, this is a plague. I mean, it's, I mean, in the Bible, and Jesus talked more about money and possessions than any other subject. And the Bible focuses so much on money. I mean, this is a plague we can give to our children if we, if we don't do it right, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And again, to be clear, money in itself is right. not evil. That's neutral. You know, that's one of the most misquoted Bible <laughs> verses. You know, money is the root of all evil. Yeah. No, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Um, and, and uh, you know, as you pointed out, um, uh, you know, by, Jesus talked more about money than any other subject. Money, possessions, and their impact on eternity. Our good friend Howard Dayton of Compass Finances God's Way actually counted the verses that related to it years ago and found that there are you know, over 2,350 verses in the Bible mm-hmm. you know, talking about money, possessions, and eternity. And so money can be used for good, not just for evil. But uh, as you've pointed out many times so far on, on the radio show, Jim, money without wisdom, wealth without wisdom, 
is a recipe for Ruan. There's actually a name for that. Uh, the, the, the name for it is affluenza. And <laughs> affluenza is the disease and dysfunction caused by affluence. And it was wow. actually coined by a lady uh, named Jessie O'Neill, who is the uh, granddaughter of one of the CEOs of General Motors back in its heyday. Uh, mm-hmm. and she grew up with, you know, the proverbial silver spoon, butler's maid, chauffeurs, limousines, all of that. And yet in her early adult life, uh, she had a lot of dysfunction, uh, not only in her own life, but in her family. And she wrote a book called The Golden Ghetto. And 2020 has done a number, uh, and other shows have done uh, shows on this whole idea of affluenza. And so one of the things we want to do is help people to develop an intentional, proactive plan, sorry for those big words, um, you know, to combat affluenza by intentionally uh, sharing their their wisdom, family values, virtues, you know, those types of things with their children and grandchildren uh, so that um, they don't have to end up in that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves scenario. The wealth doesn't have to be dissipated. It can be used for good. It can be a blessing instead of a curse. So, Jeff Rogers, in this book that you've written, Create a Thriving Family Legacy, and I want to remind our callers that, or our listeners that they can call in and possibly get a copy of this our callers book. callers can be listeners or listeners can be callers. That's call exactly right. right. Operators six, aren't standing by. 866-713-9675. I want to give our call, our oh my goodness, <laughs> the callers and the listeners, an opportunity here for some action. So what can you say to our listeners? How can you help them? What should they, if this is intrigued them, or or made them feel like oh my goodness I do not want to you know let this happen in my family that things fall apart and that I'm not passing on the things that I should be um, what what should be their first step yeah personally and I don't say this to be sound spiritual but I think the ver- very first thing people ought to do is pray mm. pray to God for your children and grandchildren pray mm-hmm. that He will do in their lives what He wants pray for wisdom for him to give you wisdom as to what you should do. So I don't say that to be quick you know, and, and, no. and, and smart, but I, I believe True. in the power of prayer. Number two, um, you need to educate yourself. You need to equip yourself. I think one of the ways, we're not the only people out there doing this type of stuff, but I think we are uniquely gifted, uh, would be to visit our websites, yep. stewardshiplegacy.com. There's a wealth of information on there. There's the free ebook for business owners. There's also a, a free uh, family legacy journal for those who actually buy the book. You can then uh, put in a code uh, from the book and get a free legacy journal that will ask you questions about uh, things, that, and it will give you ideas of things you can do with mm-hmm. your children and grandchildren. And then, of course, the second website uh, that Jim mentioned, thrivingfamilylegacy.com, yep. has that family legacy assessment. You can walk through that, and that will give you some insight into your own family. Again, what things you can celebrate that are going well and that you're doing right, and what are some areas where you could bring intentionality and improvement uh, to help make your family legacy. It's, it's as uh, you know, Howard Dayton has said for years, there's man's part and God's part. Okay, God's part mm-hmm. is the part that only he can do to change the hearts and lives. We can pray to him. Uh, but then there's things that we need to be doing uh, that right. are the practical things. And ultimately, they can connect with you for some coaching in this whole area as well Absolutely. on those websites. So, yes. great. 
Jeff Rogers, great conversation today. Really appreciate your book. Thanks for sharing Create a Thriving Family Legacy, How to Share Your Wisdom and Wealth with Your Children and Grandchildren. Jeff Rogers, thanks for being on I Work for Him today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Martha. Mm -hmm. Make sure you check him out online, thrivingfamilylegacy.com. It's a great place. Go take that assessment. You might be in your 30s now. You're thinking, I don't have anything to pass on to my kids yet. Yes, but you're working every day to do that. And you don't know if you may get something from your grandmother or from your parents, but you need to be ready. You need to be prepared because you don't want to suffer from a terminal case of affluenza, as Jeff Rogers said earlier. And you don't want your kids to get chronically ill from affluenza either thrivingfamilylegacy.com. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work for Him. him.